0: So, speaking of avatars, my last question for you was regarding Jesus the Christ and his duties as guardian of the Earth. Yes, uh, that it does happen to be this—the fact uh, Jesus has a utterly unique and ongoing uh, relationship with with the world itself. I mean, even the planet Earth. Mm as well as, as the human race. And uh, I'll try to uh, bring it down into a, a reasonably brief compass. In, in the history of the world, in the of the universe, many, many things have gone on. Big things that are, c- can be cosmic events. And... Uh, uh, we find in, in Western spiritual tradition, in Christian spiritual tradition, uh, the belief that there was a time when uh, angelic forces rebelled against the divine order, the divine plan, and in that rebellion, they fell from their exalted spiritual positions. Now, Yogananda writes some about this and it helps us understand. You see, there are several creators that work under the aegis of, you know, uh, the great creator. They're called Prajapadis, progenitors. Okay. And uh, uh, Yogananda explained that there were for our creation level, there were seven, seven Prajapadis. Six went through and did all that was to be. But the seventh uh, was displeased with this idea of evolution, of uh, all the beings within the level of creation he was controlling, and uh, he didn't want them to to, in a sense, graduate. He didn't want them to get away from his control. This was his egotism, although humans in general were didn't even know that uh, uh, that he was around. Uh, he 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 had this feeling. He's the one we call Lucifer. The word Satan isn't really right because Satan is a cosmic term, and that's cosmic in ignorance and negativity. This was, his, his real his name is never spoken because when you think or speak of a name, you come into a kind of psychic contact with the individual. Oh, okay. So his name is never recorded. So Lucifer is just a, it means a bearer of light, actually. It's a positive kind of name. So anyway, the, he was, uh, <clears throat> he was the planetary, every planet has its guardian spirit. It's just like a great archangel. That's archon is the word in Greek, actually. And we can think of it in that way. These archangelic beings have the ability to create worlds. The great uh, uh, Eastern Orthodox saint of Russia, Serv Masarov, said that archangels can create worlds at will. That's how, uh, how powerful they are. So anyway, he, he lost that power, of course, in the fall. And yet remains especially active in our solar system to try to produce chaos and try to um, retard the process of the evolving beings as much as he possibly can. It's very real, but uh, uh, we shouldn't become obsessed with him. We should just know, all right, that's there. Because frankly, beings like him in their arrogance are, uh, have utter contempt for people like us or beings like us and they wouldn't even step on us any more than they'd step on a bug. They have big uh uh universal type of plans. So they think of human beings and other types of beings uh in a big general and broad way. Okay. So no there are people, who oh, I'm scared, oh the devil get after me. Uh frankly uh we're like a minnow that uh a fisherman would not bother to try to catch. Uh, that may not, we may not like that in our own egos, but that happens to be the truth. But anyway, Earth lost its spiritual guardian, and one of the problems with the human race is they have, they had no guardian mm. then to guide, to help, and to protect. You see, whole species. There are many kinds of guardian spirits. There are such things as nature spirits. There are angelic type spirits that uh, uh, that watch over and foster the development of animal life. Literally, so okay. Uh, that that they 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 really are just intent on that. That's why, for example, uh, there are quite a few animals that once they're caught, once they're put in a zoo, they never breed. And that's because the breeding is done at the uh, sort of revelation or advice of the, the, the spirit that presides over these animals. And in certain others, the spirits come and freely communicate with them. But in many instances, they don't because they think, Why should they have offspring in this awful kind of an environment? So anyway, this this happens. And, uh, oops, excuse me. You might be interested to know as a footnote that um, St. Clement of Rome, who was a great saint, he was a bishop of Rome. uh, He took down uh, conversations between St. Peter, when St. Peter was there, before his execution by the uh, Roman government. Uh, Spiritual conversations. And in one of them, there is a talk about this and what was the result of this Luciferic rebellion. And the number one thing was the killing of one conscious entity of another. Animals kill each other. Than humans killing each other and that meat eating was the cardinal effect of the flaw brought about by lucifer's fall Mm. Uh, you could go to the our website and we have an article there posted called uh the table of demons which gives the text and uh that talks about how the, and diseases and so on began multiplying so that people would not live a long life, they would die, have to be reborn again, and constantly cycle and cycle back here. So this took place. Uh, this took place for a long time. Now, in, in the creation cycle we're in now, uh, the prime human being was um, what we call Adam. You know, we read about it in Genesis. Yes. And what it was is that, you know, we're we're evolved, we've transmigrated even through animal forms. So uh, when the creation was withdrawn and then it came back, uh, there were two beings that had evolved beyond any need of animal body. And therefore, they were not on Earth, but into the world just above our uh, material existence, where it looks just like the Earth. Uh, things seem exactly as they're on Earth, but really it's astral level. Okay. Okay, so these two beings, one male, one female, these are Adam and Eve. Uh, People who take the Bible very materialistically, they're always trying to figure out where the Garden of Eden would be on Earth. But it wasn't on Earth. Paradise was not on Earth. It was just in the astral world a step up. And, uh, you know, they were innocent beings. Uh, they had a human form. They were, you know, were meant to grow and evolve and develop in that form, et cetera, et cetera. Then they too would eventually um, go higher. But before going higher, they would be the means for people to come from the material earth plane up into that astral level. I mean, okay. you, you literally was, sometimes you're, when you're born into an astral world. Uh, it's not born in the sense that a female someone uh, gets pregnant and then suddenly you're born. But the truth is that together, a male and a female spirit open the door. This is a way I can't describe any <laughs> intelligence you know. Yeah. They open the door and a spirit comes in and is born, is I say born to them. They appear right there uh, fully as if they were adult, but uh, they have, it's sort of like if somebody says, uh, it's like immigration, like uh, like uh, one of the things we find there's a lot of complaint on now, somebody comes to America, becomes a citizen, and then they bring their families to America, okay? So it uh, doesn't mean you've had a past life uh, connection with these people. But literally through them, uh, manifestation is made possible. And uh, not having been there, I have no idea how it worked. But anyway, this was what they were to do. So, of course, Lucifer came and messed everything up. And uh, the bodies they had for that level literally fell away, died in a moment when uh, And uh, Mm. that's why it says they saw they were naked. Well, uh, what they did is they then saw the astral body of the animal body they had had just before coming up to that level. And that's the level where human beings are meant to live, not in this world where we're we're not really part of this. We should be living a step up. Okay. So, So anyway... Uh, This happened, and that's why it says in the Bible that the creator mothers, because in Genesis, you read it in English, it says God made coats of skin for them to live in. Now, why would God, the Almighty, be a tailor for uh, (laughs) It's ridiculous. It's Elohim. Elohim is a plural word, and it's a feminine word. The creator mothers, in India, they're known as the Matrikas, who had influence in the manifestation of the worlds. So the creator mothers made the human body, the kind of body you and I are in, was made by the mothers, and then uh, the whole human race started on Earth as we know it. Okay. Okay. I, I thought I was going to say that briefly, but I didn't, did I? So <laughs> anyhow, so here was the problem. Here were human beings living, suffering, being killed by either other human beings, animals, diseases, so much of this, and, and without any kind of, of, of guide uh, for an upward movement, an upward evolution. So this was necessary. So as in my book Robe of Light is explained Jesus was Adam and the virgin Mary was Eve. They are literally ad they were literally Adam and Eve returned to the earth mm-hmm. after having themselves though evolved to the highest level. They were both incarnations. They were both avatars. Okay, and they came back here into the earth first. She came, and uh, when when she was she was born, like Buddha, she could walk. Ha! Huh. And she took a few steps, and her mother picked her up and said, "Your feet will never touch the earth until I take you." to be offered to God in the temple. And so the Virgin Mary lived in the inner part of the house on a, a, a wooden floor, a raised wooden floor. Hmm. And this is not unknown in certain cultures. So anyway, there she was until she was taken, when she was a small child, to the temple in Jerusalem to be what they called a temple virgin. And... Uh, Uh, And there she lived. And when she lived there, she did not eat ordinary food. She did not. She lived without eating. But in reality, what it was, uh, angelic energies were given her. You call it food. And that's what she lived on. So her body was not formed of earthly energies at all. You see? Mm. So it's a very important thing. It was physical, it was it was there, it could be injured and so on. but it was when then the time came that she was to leave the temple. Uh, she wasn't she she kind of was and wasn't of earth. And so uh, let, let me put this in here. Uh, Who was going to, it was considered a great honor, sorry, it was considered a great honor to marry a temple virgin. And they said, but she's special. She eats from the hands of angels. So how are we going to find anyone, no matter how virtuous, that would be worthy uh, to be married to her? So... They called together all those that were of the lineage of David, that were unmarried and of age, of marriageable age, and they told them uh, to bring their staves with them. That was an important thing in a day when you didn't even much have horses, so everybody walked everywhere. And so they brought the staves that were of this particular tribe, and uh, they put them in the temple, and it was overnight. And the next day, they found lilies growing out of one of the staffs, and uh, that staff was of Saint Joseph, who was who had white hair. He was, uh, you know, an elderly person. He'd raised many children. Uh, that had been born to some of his sisters who had died. Uh, They talk about the brothers and sisters of Jesus. They were not brothers and sisters born of the Virgin Mary. They were the uh, sisters of St. Joseph. Mm. But in India, I constantly got confused. People uh, I had a very good friend uh, for example he he said that He had two sisters and one brother, okay? I met his brother. Then one time when it was his house, some people were there. He introduced me to this man, and he said, this is my brother. And I I got introduced about two more brothers over three or four years. And I said, Sharma, you you thought you told me you only have one brother. Oh, he said, those are my cousin brothers. Hmm. So uh, it's it's the uh, custom... To call a cousin your brother, even in India today. Even I'm saying this because again, the people talk and they say we read in the Bible, uh, about you know, Jesus uh, having brothers and sisters. Okay, all right, sorry. I mean, I am taking very long, <laughs> no worries. I like the idea, out. but yeah, it must be realized the virgin did, she was in a she. Was in a human, yet not a human body, but a human body made of utterly divine energies that were directly from God, not from any human being. So then, then of of her, Adam. Uh, Adam was born as Jesus mm. in a supernatural way. And What's really important is that we get our body from our mother, but all of the blood comes from our father. But Jesus had no human father. Therefore, where did that blood come from? This was obviously something utterly supernatural. Now, by the way, all avatars are born like this. Buddha was born like this. His mother wasn't a virgin, but his conception and the growth of his body and his birth They were not as ordinary humans, nor was Krishna, nor was Krishna, for example. So uh, here, so there came into the world the father of the human race through the mother of the human race. They had this profound, because they were responsible in a sense for all the terrible suffering that took place after the creation of the human body in a material way, and all the humanity had gone through. Am I making sense? Yes. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to believe me, but uh, am I making no, sense? No, no, you are. So, Sorry, I was actually okay. taking a note. That's why it took me a oh, second to respond. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Okay, okay. Well, at least you weren't asleep. So, uh, uh, So here we had this being, who was utterly supernatural from birth, who, when he was just a child, showed that he knew more than anyone else uh, of the whole in the whole spiritual hierarchy of, of Israel. And he had been visited by three great sages, not from Iran or not from Persia, but from India. They were three great Rishis from india they made the contact with him they kept the contact and when he was about 13 years old he went to india He arrived there when he's about 14 spent uh much of his life there in india and then when he got the call he came back came back to israel and we all know the story. He taught for the three years and was uh, uh, taken and uh, crucified. He left his body consciously when he said, into the hands I commit my spirit. In other words, he, he didn't die of crucifixion. But he had to go through that for various reasons, which I'd be take me all day if I was going to go into all of this. Okay. But he consciously left his body. Now, the life is in the blood. I see we're talking about blood. And when Christ was crucified, and with the the beatings and scourgings that had gone before and so on, there was a great deal shedding of blood. But when he was crucified, his blood came down you know, it, it dripped down from his hands and from his feet it flowed down uh, the wood of the cross and it flowed into the earth. I'm saying this because there's a wrong idea about so-called redemption through Jesus' blood. But it's a wrong interpretation, but about something that is so. Okay. And when his sacred deified blood... Entered into the earth, it became his, uh, uh, is his guardianship. It became under his uh, obligation, not given to him like, isn't he lucky he's going to be a king? Yeah. But in the sense that he he took it on as a kind of secondary body. Now, if you want to read more about this, there is a book by a very brilliant Christian esoterist named Max Heindel. Uh, H-I-E-N-D-E-L. Okay. And and, uh, he founded what's called the Rosicrucian Fellowship. And Max Heindel wrote a book Called the Rosicrucian Cosmo Conception. The C O S M O C O N C E P T I O N, I hope. Uh, <laughs> Rosicrucian Cosmo Conception. I really recommend it to you. It's an astounding book. He wrote the entire book without using a single non English word. Wow. Yes, and so he writes all about concepts that are quite fundamental in India and, say, in Buddhism, and uh, he, he, he uses his own terms for them. So in there, you will find, uh, on I think page 404 or something, uh, you will find the beginning of the subject about Jesus and the earth, and remember, Max Heidel is a Heidel is a great esotericist. He's not a fundamentalist Christian. He doesn't believe that people are washed in the blood of Jesus and other such uh, mythologies as are propagated by exoteric Christianity, but that the blood enlivened the earth, and therefore he took the place that Lucifer had had. Okay. So he is the planetary spirit of the Earth, or the planetary archangel, though that's beneath him since he's an avatar. But, and he slowly watches over the evolution of the Earth. And we see for the last 2,000 years, uh, <laughs> we can say, well, what's he managed in 2,000 years? <laughs> but the great masters can take hundreds of thousands of years if it ultimately all ends up right at the end. Mm. This is why you'll find that genuinely religious people, I'm not talking about bigots, not talking about cultists or sectarians, genuinely religious people. And by that, I mean people whose spiritual consciousness has awakened no matter what religion they hold. They always feel an affinity with Jesus. Mm. Uh, absolutely. Where you go in India, you can find pictures of Jesus in ashrams. You find them, even I've seen them in temples. Uh, uh, there are Jewish people who greatly respect Jesus. They consider him a prophet. The Muslims, uh, you know, the Quran speaks about Jesus. I've met Buddhists who positively, uh, had great belief in Jesus as a great being, as a great savior even. In fact, there was a time uh, when we lived in, in a bigger city, and there was a Buddhist temple only about a mile from us. And we frequently visited there, and the head of the temple, and some of the people would visit us. And we always celebrated Buddha's birthday with them. And they always came on Easter and Christmas, and celebrated the birth and the resurrection of Jesus with us. Oh, very cool. Yeah, they were Vietnamese. And uh, uh, so, you see, because, of course, we both had the the same view of Jesus. Uh, So we'll find that this is so. There's a very interesting song called Some Children See Him. And it's all about how... uh, Throughout the world, people see Jesus as though he is one of them. I've seen beautiful, I mean really beautiful paintings in the classical Chinese style of Jesus and the Virgin Mary and of incidents from the life of Jesus. So they often would say, <laughs> and I, I've known of uh uh various both Buddhists and Hindus that would even say to people that were annoying them, trying to make them uh, artificial Christians and say uh I understand we understand Jesus you don't mm. In fact, a very wonderful very very wonderful Buddhist saint came to visit us one time. he was he was over a hundred years old. And uh, he told us that uh, he had lived in India. He was actually, uh, his ancestors were Thai, but they had sometime come to India, and he grew up in India. He told about how one time in India, some Christian missionary uh, stopped him and demanded to know if he believed in Jesus as his Savior. And he said, Yes, I do. And tell me, uh, sir, do you believe in Buddha as your savior? And the missionary said, well, of course not. And he said, well, (laughs) then I've got two saviors and you've only got one. (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) Yes, you know, uh, indeed, I had a a friend of mine was living up in the the Himalayan foothills he was uh, he was a Swiss a Swiss uh, monk actually he was a Swiss member of the order of Shankacharya. he was a swami he was of Giri the Giri branch that I'm of and uh, he was in a, a, a very a town very high in the foothills called Missouri. and uh, a lot of Christian missionaries went there because. They could get away from the hot weather of India and so on. So uh, you you have even Christian kind of schools there and so on, as well as Hindu schools. And now, because of the Tibetan situation, many Tibetan Buddhists live there. So anyway, he was walking along, and here comes one of these missionaries who literally just took a hold of him and said, you're coming with me to church. (laughs) So they went to church. And uh, so he took him up to the front, made him kneel down and say, say you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, well, of course I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, do you believe in the Lord Krishna? Oh, no, he said. So my friend stood up and said, well, then why should I even talk to you? And walked out. <laughs> but uh, but so it is. So it's important to understand. Yes, Jesus is the savior of the world in a certain sense. Or that is, He is working out the salvation of the earth. But not not at all in what exoteric Christians think it means. Okay. Yes and of course he isn't the only savior truth is I uh, uh, wouldn't want to shock uh, people in India but Rama isn't the only is the savior of the world and Krishna isn't the savior of the world the truth is god of humanity god is the only savior of humanity in other words if you don't attain moksha you're not saved <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> cuz that's what moksha means liberation free And so for free in the spirit to, again, get away from what my friend Ben Bibb used to call this dumb kindergarten of the earth (laughs) and go and go into higher worlds and finally return into the bosom of God, the bosom of the father. And uh, and then the whole the whole uh, the whole long story is finally done and the lesson has finally been learned. And uh, then returned God with God. What a wonderful, wonderful idea. Well, I hope you'll forgive me taking so long. No, not at all. I think uh, I think that kind of wraps it up. Uh,